Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. What makes Rose Cleaners the best in dry cleaning? They do my laundry the way I like it. The wonderful customer service. Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for and it's always done. They do good work. I just love Rose Cleaners. Very excellent customer service and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here. They've got friendly employees when you walk in and um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hi, I'm Eric Galindo, Training Director for the FSI Training School. For individuals and businesses, we offer certification courses in CPR and first aid through the American Heart Association. And also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leaders. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. All right. Thank you for joining us tonight for The Bible Live, the quiz show here on Sunday evening. We have uh, the, our Bible Live readings posted on the Internet. I'm any day now. And I'm, I'm just really praying it'll be tomorrow. Uh, our uh, techie is going to put our brand new website on the internet, and you'll be able to go there and find all of the Bible Live readings that we've uh, for the last fifteen years. We've read them on the air. We no longer have our Monday through Friday program, but we are going to give you access to all of those readings, so you can go to the website, 
You can find the schedule, our Bible reading schedule, that we've, we've remained in the same Bible reading schedule that we've had all these years. You can find the Bible live or schedule. You can find the readings that we are covering this week. And you can actually go and download those readings and listen to them every day uh, there on the Internet. And then here on Sunday night, we're going to review those readings <clears throat> that we have scheduled in our Bible live reading uh, schedule, at least, our, our particular reading plan for the year. And so uh, we'll have some questions. We'll be able to discuss them. Uh, Jacob and I are here with that idea in mind. Now, Jacob, tonight we are covering all of the books that we are covering are New Testament books. So are you geared up for that? Are you going to be able to give us some insights from the Hebrew perspective, the language, the culture? The... No, no, brother, the, you're not. This is important because, uh, folks, we've. that's the reason I'm so glad and grateful that Jacob was willing to come each time and be with us because these, even the books of the New Testament, we think, well, those aren't, well, they're still the Hebrew Scriptures. These books are written by Jews, um, in, mo in many cases mostly to Jews, uh, written with a Hebrew perspective, a Hebrew culture, a Hebrew language, although um, <clears throat> I guess originally written in, in Greek, um, many of the books of the New Testament, but still the the culture that they come out of and the and the references to the Hebrew experience everything about them is is uh with that Hebrew perspective we have the Jesus was a Jew he's the Jewish messiah uh redeemer savior that sort of thing so uh it, we really need your perspective Jacob and I'm so glad you're along with us especially I find it very interesting in some of these books because um we read them we just read them superficially straight up just kind of like to come to us and i suppose there's nothing particularly dangerous about that although there are some uh as you've showed us before sometimes <clears throat> there's a little uh something i tell you what we miss sometimes we miss the references to the old testament <clears throat> whether it's jesus or paul or 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 um peter or any other john any other writers of the new testament Sometimes they're writing, and we don't catch uh, in their writing, we don't catch the reference to an Old Testament passage. We think they're coming up with all these things off the top of their head and just entirely out of their current situation. But so much of the New Testament is simply the reiteration, even the uh, direct quote, quoting and citing of Old Testament passages, Old Testament truth, and uh, by these Hebrew authors these hebrew writers and you're awfully good at helping us to make that connection and so uh anyway don't you go anywhere you have you've got to stay in there uh with us tonight through the books of galatians uh we'll, we we can discuss uh, the entire book although we we discussed galatians a little bit last week we heard that remember galatia is not a city it's a region and as it turns out it's current day region of turkey in the the nation of Turkey in the Islamic uh, land, in part of the Islamic world, so uh, Galatians is one of our books. Ephesians, there's a there's a major city of the era called Ephesus, a major city, one of the uh, larger, more influential cities of the of the realm, and Paul uh, goes there. They establish a congregation there. He has a he has a really 
kind of a scary experience there. Remember, it causes a brawl and a riot, and he gets caught up in it. And I don't know if they beat him or not, but he's threatened at least. Um, uh, I'll have to look. We'll have to look at that again. But then, then the city of Ephesus, he wrote a letter to the Ephesians. Okay. All right. So, anyway, but those two books, you know, an objective reading, I know this may or may not be theologically correct or acceptable, but you know, there's something here that really makes me think that Paul's suggesting that there is one, shall I use the term, salvation for the Jews and a different for the Christians. Oh, really? Yes. Mm. And I know that maybe, I'm not saying it is, I'm not saying it's theologically correct, but as you read it, I mean, it certainly well, let's take a look at it when we get into talking about Ephesians. Let's do that. And then we're going to read this a joyful small letter that Paul wrote to the uh, church, the brand-new congregation that he, uh, again, helped to uh, establish in Philippi, another land. And I, I, it's, it is one of my favorite books because of its theme of joy. It's very interesting. 21 times, I think, in this brief little letter, he uses uh, joy or a form of the word enjoy, uh, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always, he says. And again, I say rejoice. Uh, it's, it's ironic in a sense because he was in prison in Philippi. That's how the ministry, that's how the church was started in Philippi is he got thrown in prison. And uh, there was an earthquake. He would have been delivered. They could have escaped from the jail. And the Philippian jailer, the man who was keeping them, uh, was about to commit suicide because he would have been uh, he would have been executed if he lost uh, his his prisoners. And they said, "Don't don't do yourself any harm. We're all still here." You can read about it in the Book of Acts. Uh, we're all still here. We're not. And, and this man was so impressed by the integrity of Paul and Silas, and and he's impressed with their joyful singing in the prison, even. And uh, worship, and that he uh, he becomes a follower of Messiah as well as of Jesus, and uh, that's how the church in Philippi begins. And another ironic part of it is that Paul is writing this letter to the people in Philippi from prison in Rome. So it started in prison, and he's writing the letter to them from prison. But still, you have this amazing theme of joy and rejoicing. I I, I just think it's um. It's it, it's full of surprises, and it's a wonderful, wonderful. One of the clearest presentations in Philippians chapter 2, I think it's one of the times when Paul most clearly speaks about the nature of <clears throat> the incarnation. In other words, how is it that God, eternal, the eternal Son of God, actually becomes a man? And what was involved in that process? In Philippians chapter 2, he talks about that. So we can uh, discuss that as well a little bit tonight. <clears throat> the book of Colossians comes next. We also read through that in our reading schedule for this time of the year. And uh, Colossae is another a big city, a big uh, city in the in the Roman Empire. Um, Paul himself had never been to Colossae. Uh, the letter is delivered, uh, or, or the gospel is delivered to the city of uh, Colossae by a co-worker of Paul. His name is Epaphras. And uh, Paul then writes this letter to the Colossians. Also, it's a it's a very interesting book because they he confronts a problem of the church of that era. 
And that problem is what we call Gnosticism. Uh, there was a philosoph- philosophically, it comes mainly out of a Greek influence. And <clears throat> the idea is that that the gospel and Jesus are, are mystery readings and, and that only the elite, only the spiritually uh, accomplished and elite can really experience and understand the gospel and so on. And uh, it, it has to do with this idea of Gnosticism, this hidden knowledge, this special spiritual knowledge that only a special group of people enjoy. And uh, so that is, of course, something that uh, Paul or is, is, is inconsistent with the Paul and w- with the gospel. And Paul makes it very clear. And then we have these two more letters, the small little letter of First Thessalonians and an even smaller, smaller letter to the Thessalonians. Uh, where Paul picks up the theme principally, uh, understanding at the end times, he speaks of the idea of when Christ will return in his first letter, and then the people take him, they get it they get it wrong, and some of them quit their jobs and go stand on a hill and wait for Jesus to come back, and he has to write them a second letter and correct them and say, no, that's, that's not the thing to do. You know, you don't go, you know, sell all your house and goods and quit your job and go sit on a hill wait for Jesus to return. Uh, we need to be busy in the service of our Lord, and uh, he'll come as a thief in the night and that sort of thing. So the books of First and Second Thessalonians have something to do with the second coming of Christ, and also he talks about the nature of our resurrection. Uh, when, when Christ does return, uh, the, how, how we'll be resurrected, and, and not only uh, spiritually, uh, a soulish resurrection, but physically a bodily resurrection as well. He speaks of there. So that's from Thessalonians. And then finally, we made a just read two chapters into the book of First Timothy. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll reserve our comments on Timothy. This young these are called the pastoral epistles. Paul writes to young Timothy and another young pastor named Titus. And these are two young men that are coming into the ministry. And he spends time mentoring and discipling these young men. And they're very, very, very uh, interesting and helpful to us. Um, in in our in our churches and our congregations and in the development of leadership in our churches as well. So those are those are very helpful. But let's look principally tonight at Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and First and Second Thessalonians. Um, I don't I don't know Jacob if you would add anything, uh, just to, in general when you look at the epistles when you read the New Testament uh, for the first time you're reading this guy named Paul who was an who was a disciple of uh, what's his name the um, Gamaliel, Gamaliel yeah, that's right. And you know, he's 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 an intellect, intellect, no doubt about it. He's a very intelligent person. He was an enemy of the the gospel at the beginning. He misunderstood evidently the nature of the gospel, uh, and saw it as a threat, uh, and then came around to understanding that that, that it's that it wasn't a threat at all, but a completion of of uh, a continuation of the the same revelation that we have in the Hebrew scriptures and continues on, becomes a, a tremendous influence. Uh, most people would say he's the most influential human being in the uh, early church era when the, when the gospel, this message of the gospel was spreading like wildfire across the Roman empire. It was principally, it was Paul and some of his followers and the people he influenced that hey, I would have thought it would made it happen. Jesus, you would have what? You said most influential. I said, gee, I thought it would have been Jesus. Well, well, no, no. I mean, you know what I mean. I'm talking about after Messiah had finished his role in his in his work. 
that I'm saying for the spread of this message across the Roman Empire, uh, Paul was just an incredible individual. I say that what I read, I really don't know what Paul was referring to at his time involved with the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem. Yeah. Uh, I can only pick up tads of that. You th- you're, you're, you conjecture, at least, that he was a member, right? I do, and I can conge- you're right. We know that Gamaliel was. But I do conjecture. But okay. I think, because, you know, they were appointed by Rome. But I think what he's writing in these books are much more Judaism, and I think what he may have been perpetuating in uh, uh, the early stuff, if I understand the difference, uh-huh. if I do, then he would have been in error with the Sanhedrin. But what he is writing now in these books is 100% Judaism. It's consistent. Yeah, it is. It really no, is. And I, a... I mean, it's Judaism because he's actually suggesting, and I can say this may not be a theological, may not be correct. But boy, when I read these things, I'm saying, boy, isn't that the Jewish idea? And Paul's on the money this yeah. time. So if this is on the money, it forces me to think, well, maybe... He was not on the money previous. In most cases, it's it's Judaism to Gentiles. In other words, is that right? Would that be a, a good perception? Yeah, you, you could, yeah, He's trying to explain it now in this new, uh, uh, a new expanded version. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say new improved version. I'm just saying now that. I, will say, I think we have to note that none of these books are written to Jews. These books are simply written to non-Jews. And so in that sense, yes, he's explaining how they are part of Israel. Because you don't exactly. change your nationality, you don't change your your country, your culture, you change none of that. But you can be part of Israel because of your religious beliefs, your beliefs in one God, that kind of thing. Right, exactly right. Uh, uh, that's the way I would so, phrase it as well, yes. Well, so when I get the, when I read this, because this is actually classic, and I said classic Jewish thought. Now, if he was doing something different prior to this, then I would suggest whatever he was doing was not considered classic Jewish thought. Because actually, what's written in Galatians, Ephesians, and that kind of thing, those especially from what I read, is and always has been uh, the Jewish view of non-Jews. Well, this is what I've been saying, and and together you and I have been saying for the longest time, is that... um, a lot of the friction, uh, there's been a lot of misunderstanding, even beginning in the era, in the time of Jesus and Paul and later, there there has been an earthly, erroneous response to the message of Christ, of Messiah, uh, maybe a misunderstanding. And, and I can understand, if someone does not believe that Jesus was indeed the Messiah, uh or, or that he indeed was the Son of God incarnate who took on flesh to carry out this work of redemption. As we, If they don't believe that, then they don't believe that. And if they don't see that as part of Judaism, part of their understanding of what Judaism was, I can see how there would be a, uh, there would be a complete rejection. There would be a, it would be a threat to them. But if you are like, like Peter, like the early disciples, like many of the followers of Jesus uh, during his lifetime, they were Jews. So very many of them were Jews in Jerusalem, uh, in that area, wherever he went and preached in the different cities. And they saw him as Messiah, as a continuation of the uh, 
the Judaism they all knew. So uh, that that is that's what we're kind of um, that's what we're approaching now. We've got to take a little bit of a break here for our first segment, our first uh, bottom of the hour break. When we come back, Jacob, let's you and I get into this thought that you have about um, what is it you said that uh, that you want to explore? Well, the idea that they might be talking about two different well, salvation paths. Well, I don't. Uh, there is no prohibition in the Jewish world for a non-Jew, a Christian, to believe in Jesus. There's no prohibition. Of course not. Yeah. There would be a prohibition for Jews. I thought you told me before that any Jewish person can think anybody is is the Messiah. You can it, think anybody's the Messiah. That is correct. So there is no. Uh, I could say that I think uh, the Rebbe that died in New York. I could say Jesus. So no. there's no prohibition against for a Jewish person to think Jesus is the Messiah. No, no, no. So the problem you're reacting to is when I said to believe that Jesus was the incarnate Son of God. Is that the part you're reacting to? That is always going to be a hurdle. It's for problematic, us. uh-huh. But, uh, but the Jews have always accepted the idea that for a non-Jew, the idea Go ahead. No, the idea of Jesus Christ is okay. It, all right. Well, we'll look at that when we come back, and we'll look at this idea that Jacob sees uh, perhaps in one of the, go- the epistles here, of this uh, idea that there might be separate path of salvation, of being rightly related to God for the Jew as opposed to uh, uh, through Messiah or, or, or as we understand it through the Savior. So we'll look at that. We'll talk about it. 340-9585 if you'd like to call in and be a part of the program. 340-9585. Don't go away. Well, Elizabeth and I went to Express Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to work, we had got our oil done before. It could take us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't expect to receive that kind of service. And their name is their game. Express Lube is accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. Dr. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me, plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist, pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. Our ministry depends a lot on our computers, and whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. 
go to thelaptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. It is God who always is pursuing us. Not we trying to pursue God we can find Him. <laughs> and if you are frantically trying to get God to do this or that for you, my advice for you is chill out <laughs> and realize that God is saying to every one of us, be still and know that I am God. Learn more on Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Please join me every weekday morning, 8.30 on AM 630 KSLR. is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. We are back, a beautiful song, of a hymn of praise, adoration, gratitude to Messiah, uh, to uh, the Savior. Now we're turning to the books of Galatians and Ephesians, and Jacob is telling me that, that and I, I think I've heard some of this before, and it, it's... Um, we're dealing with a perspective of the time of Jesus and the, and the followers of Jesus. What it, did it mean when the, all of a sudden on, on in human history appears this individual who claims to be that long-awaited, uh, promised redeemer, savior, hero, uh, deliverer that uh, seems to be talked about, predicted all throughout the Old Testament Hebrew scriptures. Uh, and it, it is not this, the the Messiah, and I'm talking about the Messiah, not a Messiah. Like, uh, in a sense, you've you've helped us to understand that Abraham was a Messiah. Uh, Cyrus, many of the, and, and even the Bible, and it, the Bible even calls Cyrus the, the, a Messiah, a kind of a deliverer, a savior. But we're talking about the idea that there was this in uh, the Old Testament passages and scriptures. There was this individual who was going to come, uh, who was going to be the righteous branch, the, the you know, fulfill the, the redeemer, savior, and, and so on, establish the in the kingdom of God. Move and and of course, my understanding, Jacob, is that uh, in Jewish families uh, across the realm, they were constantly. Um, oh, is that too high, John? That they were constantly, they looked for. Uh, some teaching I've had, and I cannot remember the source of it, if it was Jewish or uh, a Christian pastor or someone uh, talking about in the historical eras preceding the Messiah, that that uh, young Jewish girls always uh, looked forward and thought, might I be that one to bring to bring forth, the, to give birth to the Redeemer, the, the Messiah? And, and I've even heard that there might have been maybe somewhat of a saying that, you know, maybe may well, you Well, I can tell one. you this. I did see that on TV when I showed the Bible. Other than that, I've never heard it. Okay. Uh, I, it's just things I've but heard. Over, but that's not to say yeah. you're not right. Uh, yeah. You may be 100%. I will tell you this. Nobody wanted the Messiah more than the Jews. 
Okay. <laughs> That's, then then let's I'll leave it at that. That it was that it was not an unknown oh, concept. John, am I okay now? It is not a concept that the that Can Gentiles invented. That it did in fact come from uh, you know Hebrew culture, language, oh, yeah, scriptures. Sure, it yeah. was a Absolutely. it was a known concept. Yeah. So here comes this individual who claims to be that one. Now, evidently, what happened? He didn't look like what they expected. Here they are under bondage to Rome. Uh, Rome uh, militarily uh, in every way dominates them as a people. Uh, And so they're looking for this one who's going to come and deliver them as a nation state, Israel. they wanted a King David. Like in that that idea, and and he's going to liberate them. And yet what even Jesus tells them over and over, and finally it's clear that He's not talking about it. His kingdom is not of this world. He's not here to to rebel against Rome and take over. He's here to establish uh, the spiritual kingdom, extending uh, the kingdom of God among men, not just, of course, Hebrews and Jewish people, but to expand first to the Jews, of course, he comes, and then uh, Jewish believers begin. The early followers of Jesus are almost all Jewish believers, Jewish uh, men and women and who who believe in him who trust in him and they become then the uh the 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 fire the flame the passion that sweeps across the gentile world and uh, thousands even we might even say millions of believers then now through the through the 2000 years millions of believers uh coming into the jewish family coming into the jewish uh, the jewish god the jewish scriptures the jewish messiah coming into faith in the true and living God of the Scriptures through the influence of this Jewish carpenter. Uh, so anyway, we have this. Now, the, the, the era, in that given era, there was a great deal of confusion because there was corruption and compromise at the high levels of leadership in the Jewish nation. Uh, among the, even the, uh, the priestly or the religious leadership was corrupted, compromised, and so much of that was self-serving and uh, and they saw it as a threat to their power base, to their even to their fundraising efforts and so on. So, so Jesus, in some ways, suffers from that. Uh, others were genuinely, uh, they were accept, expecting another kind of savior. Another, it, 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 they didn't think he was going to. He just didn't fit the mold that they had expected. So it took them a while to really accustomed get it get it in their understanding oh i see i i kind of think of paul is that way because he was an early uh he disparaged jesus he persecuted and pursued the uh followers of jesus uh you know persecuting them putting them in jail and so on and then he has this um this vision and this change uh totally and he he, he becomes a follower himself but never ceases never ever does he say this makes me not a Jew? Uh, that that was never even in the mentality of those who followed Jesus. But it seemed to be, it it was. I don't know. And you have sometimes said that it might even have been part of the plan of God that there was this rupture, this break, uh, it, the time of the Gentiles. You've you quoted that verse to me a number of times. Uh, that Paul says it, and Paul Jesus talks about it. Yeah. Well, why don't we take a look at what it says? Let's, okay, go for it in Galatians, right? Well, Chapter 3. I want to start with is in Galatians. Okay. Let's take a look. Chapter 3, and I'm going to start at 
verse 16 and 17. Okay. okay. I'm there. I know you got probably a more fluid translation than I do. Maybe you should read it from yours because I know okay. yours is more fluid. 16. Do, I, do you mind if I start at 15? It kind of is no, the start of it. Dear brothers and sisters, it says, here's an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so it is in this case. God gave the promises to Abraham and his child. That would be uh, Isaac, right? And notice that the scripture doesn't say to his children, as if it meant many descendants. Uh, oh, I see. It says to his child. And that, of course, means Christ, Messiah. This is what I am trying to say. The agreement God made with Abraham could not be canceled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. God would be breaking his promise. For if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be the result of accepting God's promise. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. I think I do, but maybe I'm catching... I'm not... Sure, if I'm catching. Okay. What I am saying is the law, which came 430 years later. What law came 430 years later? It's Sinai. Exactly. So, what Paul, as I understand, he's saying, he says, Look, uh, Abraham had this relationship, and he says, All your are involved in this. So, and he's saying, If that was a promise to Abraham, then that would include the people who are not Jews. And then the fact that he gave this other law 430 years later, I apologize, I'm still a little old. Uh-huh. But if he gave this other law 430 years later, okay, they got that. But the one that you guys were on is not nullified by the fact that, I say you guys, I'm talking mm-hmm. about the non-Gentiles. Uh-huh. And he said, so it's not nullified simply because the Jews got the law. The law applied to them. It did not apply to the guys because they were the children of the promise to Abraham. So he's saying, look, you, you all, the, the non-Jews, are say, he's saying, look, this is a promise, and God does not nullify his promise no matter what. But 430 years later, he did give these laws, and so that was through the Jews. So here, and he's saying, but you know what? In reality, it's the same thing. So when I'm reading this, I'm yeah. saying, he's making it clear <clears throat> that you're not out, rather you're in. Let's look at verse 21, see what it says in your version. Uh, His conclusion then is, therefore, he says, is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. It's just what you said. There isn't this. In reality, there's not this rupture. If the law could give us new life, we could be made made right with God by obeying it. But the scriptures declare that we're all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by trust, by faith in Jesus the Messiah. Yeah, now let's remember, he's not writing to Jews. He's writing to non-Jews. Mm-hmm. So he's saying to them, listen, you guys are okay. You're in. You get in by your faith, by the promise to Abraham from God. So you guys are there. The fact that the Jews have the law doesn't affect you at all. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. So okay. As I'm reading this, I'm not saying, and I got to say, this is classic Judaism. The Jews never thought that Christians were excluded. In the Jewish world, Christians can go to heaven, by the way. I know I'm... Well, I'm not sure that that was true in the early era. Wasn't there a... then let me disabuse you of that thought. It uh, is 100 true, and it's all over and... Well, what was it that the Jewish leadership... Why did they reject 
uh, Yeshua? Why did they uh, reject his message, reject him, uh, his his presentation of his I claims really, to be Messiah? I, I'm going to ask you a favor. Uh-huh. I really, listen, let's put that aside just so we finish one more place. Sure, uh-huh. And then, then I would love oh, to. Oh, no problem. Say. It's all right. Okay, so now Ephesians got, now? Huh? Ephesians? Please. Okay, Galatians, and the right next book is Ephesians. To the believers in Ephesus, he is uh, speaking. That would be in chapter 2. Oh, can I read one other thing from just before we move from Galatians? It's yourself. Uh, <laughs> all right. But look at what it says. His conclusion at the end of that of that passage you just talked about mm-hmm. was, uh, you're, you are all children of God through faith in Christ, Messiah Jesus. All who have been united with Christ in baptism, not talking about water here. We're talking about oneness. Uh, right. put are you together reading verse 29? Yeah, 26. Now here it comes, 28. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus now. Now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs in Christ, God's promise to Abraham. So I see what you're saying in this. He seems to be addressing Gentiles and talking to them about how they have been now grafted in, right? That's what you're saying. I I would, yes, I I have to use the word grafted in because that's the word they use. But I do want to point out the verse we read, 28, it says there's neither Jew nor Greek. Now, we all know, we all know that includes everybody. However, if you're going to read it in a strict strict sense, nobody's getting in but Jews and Greeks. (laughs) So, now, but my point is we all understand that. Because that's everybody. (laughs) Okay, that we understand it's broader than human beings. So, but, uh, but now the question is, do you consider yourself to be among the Greeks? to be inclusive, or do you consider yourself among the Jews to be inclusive? Greeks have their own God. They have a Zeus and all the rest of it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to suggest that he's saying the believers in Jesus are among the Jews, not the Greeks. The Greeks come in. But then look at 29. Okay. And if it says, you belong, he's talking to the Galatians, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants according to the promise. Mm-hmm. He's not saying that there's a distinction. He's saying it ends up being the same thing except for the promise goes to the non-Jews and the promise and the laws go to the Jews. Now, now <clears throat> if we could look over uh, at the Ephesians thing. Okay. And let's take a look at what it says. And I think, for me, this completes the picture. Then we can talk. Sure. Okay, chapter 2, mm-hmm. uh, and I'd like to start, if it's okay, with uh, verse 12. May I read, or do you want No, whatever, it, uh, no, you, you you go ahead, and then maybe I'll read it from this sure. version as well, yes, just for clarity. Yours is a little more fluid. Okay, so 2.12. Remember that you were talking to the Ephesians, non-Jews. He says, remember, at one time you were separate from Christ excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you, formerly, who were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. And then it goes on to say, and he is the peace between you two. And in verse 15, look what it says. By abolishing in his flesh, he's talking about Jesus, to the Ephesians, the enmity which is the law of commandment. He's saying enmity is a, a dislike, mm-hmm. even perhaps a bitterness, a hatred. Mm-hmm. So he's saying, look, by 
Jesus, your Ephesians in this particular book, your hate of the Jewish law, it's gone. So you're still there. And so you don't have to hate them. They're okay. And now when we, for me, when I put that with that, I'm getting it out of what we were back in Galatians. But look, even if you were not part of the guys at Mount Sinai, it's okay. You still get to heaven. You're still there. You're part of the children of promise. Now, that's what I'm getting out of It had to be very comforting and very encouraging to the Gentile believers getting this, as they begin to understand, yes, they're linked to this prior revelation, the, 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 the eternal plan of God through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and yeah. the promises, and so on. It had to be very confirming, very consoling, very comforting, uh, I think, for them to see that link. This is not just some new Johnny-come-lately uh, faith or religious philosophy. This is something that God has been, all throughout history, that God has been planning and carrying out this redemptive plan, and, and now you have seen it in its full expression in the life of Messiah. I mean, to me, I, I agree with you that uh, for Gentile believers, as Paul is giving them this comfort and this, this encouragement. Well, let's look at 12. And would you read 12 from your more fluid? Sure. Verse? I'd like to, if you don't mind, I'm going to read that kind of that section. Because he also brings in the Jewish I don't mind, but would you be good enough when you get to 12 to identify it so our listeners okay. know which particular verse I'm referring <clears throat> Okay, let's go to uh, chapter, I'll start in verse 11. Don't forget, he says, like you're saying, he's talking to Gentiles. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews, who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. Now he's a little, Paul cannot help being a preacher, right? He, he's. He's in there. No, and, and he's right. It's okay. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now, verse 13, you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Messiah. For Messiah himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself a new people, one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward one another was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ, Messiah, has done for us. Seems uh, to be a pretty complete thought. Well, really. okay, then explain, if you will, what is the thought? Uh, <laughs> I thought it was fairly clear, too. Okay, the thought is, is that It seems to me that the thought is uh, Jesus is the final step, the final bit of revelation in this this ongoing centuries-old redemptive plan that God has been carrying out through and with using the people of Israel as part of that redemptive plan and guiding them in using them as a as an instrument of revelation of him of the true and living God, the one true living God, in a hostile world, which they were called upon to faithfully continue to serve and worship, and through the people of Israel 
bringing the Messiah through the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the, the lineage of promise, David, he brings the, the Messiah as promised, who, who completes, carries out the actual substitutionary atonement, the redemptive plan, that by, by which all men and women, Jew or Gentile, are made right with God and through his... where we hit our pop. Okay, let's go. Because go. it does, does not, from the Jewish perspective, apply to God. No. What you just said, you said mm. substitutionary. That's the word I'm... The substitutionary word. atonement, yes. So, and in the Jewish thought, there's really no such thing as substitutionary atonement. I must pay for what I've done wrong. Now, to me, that feels good. But I will, going back to the issue here, what I'm saying is, when I read this in verse 12, it says, you were separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. But I'm reading this to mean, when I say, when I ask you, how do you take it? I take it, he's saying, look, you guys are now included because of Jesus. You're in. So, yeah, I see what you're saying. You're interpreting these books and these messages entirely and totally you're you're saying they're written only to Gentiles, yeah. and this has no application, has no reference, well, it has no significance for Jews at all. Galatians and Ephesians, I will just tell you, is classic even today, Jewish. Mm-hmm. So there is no exclusion. But he's not just talking to Gentiles. He does address the Jewish people. He ju- he says something about Jews in the passage. And that's you're saying that you don't agree with what he says no, about Jews? I'm agreeing Jews? with what he says. I just respectfully think that we're not catching the same. Oh, okay. So, uh, when you get over to one new man, I take it in context of verse 12. He's saying, look, there's one new so man. So only the Gentiles are changed. The Gentiles have been part of, are now being told, you are part of Israel. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but you know, you don't have to obey all these laws, but you are part of Israel because of the promise of God to Abraham. And so, in that sense, both non-Jews and Jews would get to heaven, and the non-Jews because of the promise that they and they received through Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the promise also applies to the Jews, but they also have to do the law. The God, I should. I'm not. I'm going to stop saying the law. I'm going to say God's law because it's not the Jews' law. It's God's law. So I, yes, I do tend to read because I know this at the end of the Book of Acts. Paul goes to the temple. This is long after Jesus. He does the, the immersion in the mikvah, the baptism. He does these so-called rituals. He's still doing them. Sure. Yeah. And so if they didn't count, why is he doing them? Did he forget? Well, I, uh, what do you mean didn't count? Well, what does I'm that saying, mean? Well, I'm saying is that the Jews, regardless of the promise, the promise goes to Jews and non-Jews. There's no, there's no division or superiority nor inferiority. That's what it says. And in the, and in back then, and even in today's world, uh, and I will tell you, even back then, what I'm reading here is classic Jewish understanding yeah. of non-Jews. I understand, and you're. You're reading it from the perspective of him addressing non-Jews, and I and I've already said I celebrate that with you. Yeah. How wonderful that must have felt! How affirming, how consoling, how comforting, how encouraging spiritually, it, and even to me as a modern-day 21st-century Apache Indian, I find it incredibly encouraging that 
that I've been grafted in into the people well, of in God. All, in all fairness, I want to say, as I read this, I believe you were there all the time, even if you were not told that you were grafted in, even if you failed to be told that, you were still there. Because the promise of Abraham is still the promise of Abraham, regardless if you knew about the promise. I, I understand that, and I'm not, uh, that kind of muddies the water a bit from okay. our current discussion. But, uh, yeah, I do think that Native Americans who lived here on the American continent 500, 1,000 years ago never heard the name Jesus. Or they, they, the, all, they didn't know about Abraham either, for that matter, unless you, certain groups have a historical understanding that somehow they knew. But And maybe, uh, yeah, I'm not even going to argue that. I'm just going to say, the uh, surely there were people on this continent who had never heard the name Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. They didn't know anything about Yeshua. They didn't know anything about Jehovah. They didn't know about the Ten Commandments. They didn't know. They just what did they have? They had nature. But look, look at right? verse, look at verse. And when they responded openly and positively to what they understood, God, the Creator, revealing of Himself there, right. God applied the whole work of redemptive plan to and, them. And you know what? I would have no dispute with that. And gave them new, and perhaps brought them new light. But I am saying, from fifteen, it says he abolished in his flesh, talking of the enmity towards the Asa. law of the commandments, God. And then he says, "You guys have promised, so he's made you two into one." He's not saying you both become identical like Bob's mm-hmm. twins. Yeah, I'm reading this that hey, you guys got the promise, you get to heaven, it's okay. And the Jews, they got the promise, but they've been told to do the law too. Exactly, and uh, I think. Who knows? Maybe we'll find some uh, reconciliation or some come together of these two views. Uh, I, I'm not sure I'm hearing what I think I'm hearing I, you say. I, what I, I think, think I'm doing a poor job trying to explain what I'm trying to say. Okay, well, we'll get it. We've got time. See, we've got another 30 minutes here. And Bob is on the line. Let's go and visit with him uh, quickly. Bob, I, thank you for calling. Hi. We just got a moment to, I just want to introduce you. Do you have a quick sure. comment, or would you like to uh, share an idea or two with us? Well, I know, uh, I guess you're going to go to break pretty quick. Uh, I, I know both of you gentlemen are pretty uh, educated, but you're kind of like me, you're, you're uh, elderly. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm having a problem. I've gotten a problem to meet you. I have a problem with the hereafter. I walk into the room, and I can't remember <laughs> what I'm here after, you know. Uh, but <laughs> That's happening. You're that right. That kind of reminds me of what I, I went to a, a COG service, and it, it, he, he, he went to the – so he had more overcomes passages over in Revelation. And I, I was thinking, well, I, I actually translated to, to him who comes over, to him who comes over, because Abraham was the first Hebrew. He was the one – that means that he was the man who came over. So uh, – but uh, – uh, as long as you're talking about the hereafter, and uh, I'm, I'm talking about coming over instead of overcoming, but <laughs> okay. uh, you have to come over to uh, the, the right side, right. and yeah, it's, a, it's a matter of which, whose side are you on. But uh, the Native Americans, I think, though, and and other uh, such uh, tribes, I think they'll be judged at, on what they on how they conducted themselves. Uh, and uh, they'll be separated as the sheep from the goats, as it says, I believe, in the book of Revelation, and there'll be uh, some to everlasting life and some to contempt, but based on those who do the works of the law without the law are law unto themselves. Uh, Elsewhere, uh, Paul said. The book of Romans, yes, uh, 
But uh, I do have some thoughts. Uh, maybe we can do it after the after break. But okay. uh, I guess my thoughts my thoughts were a little bit on your on your uh, your thinking that well, wasn't Messiah like an extension of the Judaism that they knew? Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna part company with that because I, I think what what the whole country was waiting for was a reformation. As, as described in the book of Malachi, as opposed to opposed to as opposed to a military liberation. Uh, or, uh, yeah, uh, there were, it was uh, necessary for a revival. Uh, uh, Jacob brought up in the Bernadette episode about three or four weeks ago uh, the term galut. Uh, this means exile. So uh, there was a sense there in Israel amongst the rank and file uh, people, uh, and this is. A, that uh, they were they were still in exile mode, and then a reformation was necessary. And they were waiting they were waiting for Eliyahu to come back, or, or Messiah to come back, or Messiah to come, and and change things and and reform things because the the priesthood had become uh, base and contempt before the people. Yes, Bob, can you hang That's on a, through the break? Yeah, yes, sir. I love the idea. Let's talk about that a little further. We'll come back in just uh, half a minute or so, folks, so don't go away. If you'd like to give us a call, it's 340-9585. We'd love to hear your voice. So join us now. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Beautiful song. Welcome back, everyone, to The Bible Live. We are discussing the the little books, the small epistles, these letters that a Jewish uh, scholar, a leader named uh, Saul, whose name, I guess it was the Roman or... Version of Saul was Saul Paul. Paul okay, uh, he, he kind of a more of a maybe a Gentileish name instead of, as opposed to Saul, maybe. Okay. Anyway, Paul Saul became Paul. This uh, he begins to follow Messiah, Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus the Messiah of the early first century, and he writes these letters. He's the great missionary of of first century Christianity, followers of Jesus the Messiah, and so. Uh, he was writing a letter to the Galatians. He wrote this another small letter to the city of Ephesus, where there were believers there that he had helped to establish that congregation. And then he wrote a letter to the little church in Philippi, a very sweet, uh, loving letter uh, of joy and rejoicing to them, encouragement. And also, by the way, the people at Philippi were precious to Paul because they had been so generous. They took a collection, and they sent a collection to help him in his uh, life and his ministry, and, and uh, that that endeared them so much to him that they would believe in him and trust in him and support him in his work and in his suffering because he was writing this from prison, of course, 
uh, and they wrote this. They sent this lovely gift to him, uh, expressing their love. And so he, it's a sweet letter, the letter of Philippians, and then uh, Colossians the, to the church in Colossae, this great uh, city of the time of Rome as well. We have that letter, and then we are re- we read for this week in our reading schedule. First uh, and Second Thessalonians, and from the city of Thessal- Thessalonica, uh, some things that happened there, and that's Paul writes back to them. Or... Go ahead. No, I say, that's tennis <laughs> Nikes. <Yeah>. Thessalonikes. <laughs> How about that. Well, Bob is on the air. He came on before we took our break, and he's talking a little bit about uh, this idea. We, I kind of interjected. I don't even know why I did it, Bob, but talking a little bit about uh, Native Americans, Gentiles, of course they would be, uh, people outside of the Commonwealth of Israel in that sense. And and I'm only talking about Israel in the national sense. If we take Israel to mean the broadest sense of the word, the people of God, no matter what their nationality or ethnicity, uh, then, of course, anyone who comes to faith in God and responds positively to what God reveals to them of himself, uh, it's my understanding at least, uh, that God receives them. God has carried out a redemptive plan by which all of us who get to heaven uh, will be in heaven because of what he accomplished on our behalf through Messiah. But uh, our, we, he judges us on the basis of how we respond to the light of revelation that he gives to us, if we have only uh, on a scale of one to ten, if we only on, only have received a revelation at this maybe a scale of two at the level of two, like uh, maybe some tribal groups or some deep in the Amazon or Native Americans, then they're only judged on their response to that light. But when they do respond positively with faith and longing toward God from that light, the whole work of redemption is applied to their life. They don't have the benefits of it in uh, the knowledge of the certainty, the confident, secure relationship with God, perhaps, that we might have, but they are received into the people of God because of the work of of, uh, of Messiah on our behalf. So that's kind of my view of it in terms of people who have never heard or never heard about Jesus or God or the Ten Commandments or any of the revelation of God, uh, that that uh, God receives us on that basis. But there is only, in the in the end result, there is only one reason, one basis for which anybody, Jew or Gentile, will be in heaven, and that's because of the redemptive plan that God carried out through Messiah. So there you go. I don't know what that noise is, Bob, but uh, now I'm, I just said that so that you could uh, kind of catch up the thought. Comment, Bob. Go ahead. Bob's making that noise. I was wondering if that's an editorial comment. <laughs> I don't know if that's Bob making that noise. I have no idea what that is. But no, it wasn't me. It's somebody going right by me. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah, sure. You're out on the streets tonight. Good. Well, yeah, tell I'm us out a, on the street. Give us some more. Uh, express more of the thought or the idea that you had when you called in tonight. Well, I I, I think the book of Malachi. Uh, Malachi okay. shows that uh, uh, there's a necessary reformation that needed to take place in uh, Judaism, and uh, it, it was an, a way, awaiting a reformer. And uh, John the Baptist came, John, and he came and began to begin this reformation from outside because the uh, priesthood had gone corrupt, and also they had gotten uh, slack slack on uh, tithing. And uh, slack on uh, because I think because uh, the respect had gone out 
of the system. And uh, it's very similar to what's happening in the United States now and maybe even Great Britain. Sure. Uh, uh, so much of respect had gone out of the system that people were just going through the motions, and uh, the priesthood was just going through the motions, and those who would bring the animals would go through the motions. Instead of bringing the nice animal, they would bring the, the injured animal, the sick animal, and uh, they just go through the motions, and they, yeah. they say they tithe, but they didn't really bring the whole tithe. And uh, when, that, when that was going on, yeah, reformation was necessary. So I don't think it's just a, an extension of, of the Judaism that they knew. Now, I go to Baruch Hashem. Let me, let me, let me just respond to that quickly. Uh, and I mm-hmm, think mm-hmm. I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I, I do think that that was definitely a part of the dynamic. Mm-hmm. That was part of the atmosphere of that era, of that time. Of course, you mm-hmm. couldn't get away from the fact that Rome dominated in their military, and there was yes. some resentment of their military domination. Yes. And they were yes. part of that uh, compromise. They were part of the corruption. They uh, they I sold the priesthood. They sold authority and so on. And Jacob has mentioned that before. So you're not on un- we we've we're in agreement about that. There was there was a longing for reformation, and that was a, a, that was a part of the time of Jesus. And I think many of the people who responded to Yeshua were responding because they were longing for righteousness and longing for yes. reformation. Yes, and they were going by the thousands to Yohanan, the Immerser. Yes. And, and, uh, but what we see is it's uh, the Roman occupation was part of the problem, but it was perhaps a cause and effect. Because uh, because they were going through the motions, they were cursed with this occupation. And uh, yeah, so they were in, a, in, in an exile mode, even though they had come back to the land, uh, they weren't there in. They were there in body, but not in heart or in spirit. So, what do you think uh, about that, Jacob? In like, a way, he's saying that they were in exile, even as they were in the country. I think that. I think that uh, it's kind of a new thought, really. Yeah, no, to me, it is. It's, well, the Jews have always taken responsibility for their sins, and indeed, what Bob is suggesting is that what's happening is due to Israel collectively their sin. And I don't think any right-minded thinking person could deny it. Okay. But I thought you would say that. Christian or Rome, the truth is, had the Jews done what they told, upheld God's laws, made Israel holy, then I, I think that things would have had a different alternative. In fact, you know the famous line where uh, Jesus, Yeshua says, Hey, I have nowhere to lay my head, right? He's talking about the land. Do you know where he gets that? He gets that from Kevin. It's not just that he was impoverished or poor and doesn't have a house of his he own. Did, he, did, he was not looking for an overnight motel. Okay. So what? And, and motel what six. He's saying, look, the Babylon. He's quoting something from Lamentations, believers, and he's saying, look, the Babylonians came in, and took our land. We have no land now. The Romans are here. I have no land. I have nowhere to lay my head. Boxes have a hole or it has this, but these people have taken the land. Interesting. The words there, you go into the Hebrew, you can find them actually matching the Hebrew language in chapter 3 of Lamentation. Okay. All right. I I love those. I like that insight. I really do. Bob, before I go on, can I read one thing to you? Oh, you you can, but I can barely hear you. Well, I know that's okay. If you oh no, I, I got my I'm kissing this thing right now. And okay, not, kissing the mic. Yeah. 
and I don't like to kiss guys named Mike. <laughs> all right. Microphone, then. All right. Okay, all right. So I'll do the best I can. Uh, look, is it, look at uh, Ephesians 2, uh, uh, 19. Okay, I'm there. It says, so then you are no longer strangers. Talking to the Ephesians. You Gentiles, yeah, huh? Yeah, you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens and saints and are of God's household. Now, I keep reading this, and it gets stronger and stronger for me. So he's saying, look, it's okay. You're in. Don't be so mad at God and his laws. It's okay. You're in. Don't be jealous. Exactly. Great. I don't have any problem with that. That seems to be exactly what Paul is saying. That's not really what, uh, of course, the, 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 what is Jacob has brought up tonight, kind of hinting at it, but he hadn't actually spoken to it exactly yet, is that, okay, we understand God addressing Gentiles and uh, acknowledging that Gentiles now are coming into the commonwealth of Israel, meaning God's holy people, God's people everywhere. Uh, but he, he started out by talking, saying that, that, my, that God might have indeed an entirely different process by which uh, people of the Jewish ethnicity or Jewish uh, tradition, uh, you know, that, that there's a whole different process by which they become a part of the people of God, of Israel. Because one thing clear that Jesus said and that Paul repeats over and over, and I think I've even heard, uh, I think I've even heard you say, Jacob, is that just because a person is descended uh, biologically, maybe from Jewish background, or just doesn't mean automatically just that that they're in. And Jesus says just because God could make children of Abraham out of these stones, he says. Yeah. It's it's those who are children of Abraham by their faith, by their longing, it, it, those who are circumcised not in the flesh but in their heart that makes, in other words, true believing people who believe and long for and love God. Uh, what, maybe, I, maybe I've done a poor job thus far. No, I doubt it. But... Uh, <laughs> And maybe I can even do a worse job if you'll give me the opportunity. I'll let you. Uh, but my point is this. John, can you hear me at all? Okay. Uh, okay, here's my point. Is the Jews have never had the concept that I am aware of, unless it's incorrect interpretation. Okay. That uh, the non-Jews, Christians in this case, are excluded. They've never had that idea. And so the promise. Uh, to Jew or non-Jew is a promise of God. Now, and then when we go back and we look at uh, in, in uh, Galatians, it says, okay, so 430 years later, this one group of people at Sinai got these laws. Okay. Mm-hmm. But the promise of God was equal. There is no, in the Jewish frame of reference, the, what I think is the correct one. Now, there may be wrong, but what Paul's got here, as I read it, is classical Jewish thought. That Christians are not excluded. They're as good as anybody else. Jews have no superiority. Nobody has superiority or inferiority. The truth is, is that the, if they are all, in fact, I will tell you, even in the book of Acts, it makes really clear in chapter 15 that you don't have to be circumcised if you're not Jewish. It makes it clear. Do you understand, Jacob, that that's not even an issue? That what you're talking addressing now, you're you keep coming back to that theme. You're talking to Gentiles, trying to give us comfort and encouragement that we are in. Yes. We believe already that we're in. 
we that's the promise of the New Testament. I mean, that's the promise of Messiah because of our faith in Jesus. We know we're in. We've been grafted in to the Commonwealth of God, to Israel, to so we know that. Uh, I guess what we're trying to discuss now is your idea that there is a separate path. Now you got to remember, get doing God's laws. Do not work your way to heaven. Jews never no, thought, well, never thought I, that. I understand that. I've heard people say that. Jews never thought that. But how but, do but, Jewish? Uh-huh. How do Jews, uh-huh. uh, if you put it that way, yeah. get to heaven? Then that's the idea. How do Jews get to heaven? Maybe Bob has a thought about it. I don't know. Is that something you were going to talk to or speak to as well, Bob? Well, I, I believe that uh, each person is responsible for what he what he knows, and uh, I think we need to be be not many teachers because uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, because if you, if you if you become a teacher like you just said, oh, we, we think we're in. Well, uh, there's also a scripture that says, "Let him who yeah. thinks he stands watch out lest he fall." Lest he fall, uh, exactly right. Yes. Because uh, I, I think that more study is required, and more uh, a lot of intensity is required when you talk about the Shema, loving him with all our heart, all our soul, and all our our, our entire being. Uh, it's it requires a lot, but it, anyone can come over. It says Israel is anyone who is pure in heart in, in Psalm 73. Um, but uh, I, I, I'm kind of losing my train of thought since we kind of wandered around. But uh, well, I, I do think be not many teachers. I, I will say it's not as easy as one thinks because Messiah said narrow is the way and straight, uh, straight is the way and few of them that enter in. Yeah. Uh, I, I might, like, Jacob was reading up the science in the book of Job the other day and, and uh, the other night, and uh, we see the science in Torah of, of bathing, bathing, wash with water, wash with water, wash with water. But what happened in the, in the bubonic plague is, is uh, so many died, so many, I don't know what multitude it was, but it was a multitude of people, and you had the Christian ministers saying, Oh, don't worry about that old Torah. That's just the old. That's just them old Jews. That's just the, those, those are old Jews. Those are, that's the old time. And and what happened? Well, they they all so many people died. Uh, Pasteur finally discovered bacteria and explained. Oh, we need to we need to start washing people. Well, it was always, it was always in Torah that uh, you need to wash. So. Uh, there's a lot of wisdom there, and there's a lot of blood on the hands of those ministers who said, "Oh, I don't worry about that old Torah. That, that's the old curse. That, that's that old thing. That's that old thing from the Old Testament. That's that mean Old Testament, uh, mighty one. That, that mean Old Testament guy. Don't worry about him." And uh, uh, but actually, that mean Old Testament mighty one. He showed you how not to get to be up bubonic plague. <laughs> so uh, and then. Who's who's uh, being on many teachers? The greater condemnation is for the teachers who didn't tell those people, "Hey, there's suffering in the Bible. We need to we need to bathe. Everybody needs to bathe." And and that that, that goes back to the really the reputation of the European continent right now is that and they don't bathe as much as they do in the United States. But Bob, let me ask you something. Do you think mm-hmm. have you ever uh, where you go to worship? Have you ever had the impression that somehow the Jews thought by doing God's laws that they got to heaven? I, I'm sorry that I can't hear you. I, I, something about your microphone today is not hooked up. All right, let me ask the question. We're, we're kind of going around it and around it, and, and Jacob was wondering, in your understanding of Judaism, is there any 
since you get that. In other words, how does a Jewish person get to heaven? And he's said it over and over again that it has never been Jewish teaching that a person earns their way to heaven by keeping the laws. Yes. That, yes. That, so we're not talking about escaping the bubonic plague and living, uh, you know, having healthy dietary habits and sort of thing on planet Earth. We're talking about the concept of salvation, going to heaven. How, on what well, basis I, does a Jewish person I, go to heaven? I'll, I'll, I'll get to that, but we actually were talking about that. But um, as far as be, being believing that we really stand when maybe we don't, but I, I, let me talk about that. Uh, it doesn't really matter what. Uh, there is no difference between uh, Jew or Greek. You have to do the best you can with what you have, and uh, that's, that's what leadership is all about. And uh, we're, we're we're in this life for a, few, a very few years, and it goes pretty fast. We don't think so when we're young, but we we realize it when we're old. It goes very very fast, and we have to uh, ha- we have to do uh, we have to give all. Uh, and it says, uh, let him who, who does anything do it with all his might. That's a mitzvah in, in the law. And uh, uh, so if uh, if a Jew does what he does and with all his might, uh, he, he has a great chance to be in the kingdom. And you really can't hold the, the modern Jew. You can't say, well, why don't you believe in Messiah? What, is he going to invite the pastor over for, for ham, ham dinner on, on Sunday and, 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 and dress up like Santa Claus and paint Easter eggs and do all this? foolishness that the Christians do? Uh, no, he has to keep uh, the, the, the law, which really the Messiah did. And, and really, I think the Christian ministers have it way off, way off balance with all these weird, weird days like Christmas and Easter that they put in that are not in the Bible. And uh, uh, I, I think uh, they should be teaching the truth of the scriptures. And uh, so I, I really, I really fault the Christians like I faulted the Christians regarding the Ebonic plague, uh, the Christian ministers who didn't teach uh, health that, that is uh, taught in the scriptures because they didn't teach it because they said, oh, that doesn't matter. That's just a, that's just a silly Old Testament rules. Well, let me get Jacob to respond a little bit about what to what you said. Is it? Are we? I'm hearing. You. I'm seeing. I'm hearing you. Fine. All right. Well, again, uh, Bob, it sounds to me again you kind of reverted back into the the question I've been asking. Is you've got away? The question is how do? Okay, we've established how Gentiles get to heaven. Uh, as we see here, it's clearly here in the New Testament. Yeah, what's his understanding of how, what he understands that our Jew gets heaven? Because you've asked him, he has not. Okay, he has not answered. Maybe you can give me a thought. Well, I, I'm interested in what he thinks. I don't think Bob is going to give us that answer. Well, that's okay, but I will tell you that, no, I've never known that Jews had the concept. There might be some guy somewhere that if they follow God's laws, they work, 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 work their way to heaven. You've said that many, many times, so many times that I believe you. <laughs> so I'm not even, I'm, so, so if it's not by right, keeping right, the law right. that I'm we get to heaven, how I'm does a Jewish person get I'm to heaven? I'm picking up that Bob may think that. That's why I'm asking, what do you think, Bob? All right. With Owens might, you have your whole heart in, into it. And even you look at the Tenth Commandment, the heart is very much involved in the Tenth Commandment. Do not lust after uh, somebody's house, somebody's wife, uh, the other things that the person has. It's what's in the person's heart. And this is also in Torah. So if, if someone observes Torah fully, 
uh, they'll they have a part of the, in the world to come. He keeps saying that. And that I keep that saying sounds that like that's not correct. Okay. And then, and, and Bobby's fine. Bobby's, Bobby's he, fine. he loves us. He's Bob listening to us. He can say and believe anything he wants. And sure. I respect Bob. He's a nice man. But I'm trying to say that, no, he says, do you have a place in the kingdom of heaven? Are you talking about heaven, heaven, or on earth? I don't know. If you're talking about heaven, heaven, no. Doing God's laws do not get you to heaven. That, that's what we understand. Us, us poor Gentiles who just kind of been brought in on the tail end of the story with Messiah, we understand that we get to heaven wholly entirely because of the redemptive work that God has carried out in history on our behalf. That's why Jesus, Yeshua, came to be uh, the last Adam. He accomplished what the first Adam didn't. He lived a life of faithful, whole, entirely submissive obedience to the Father. Well, and then and he that, who knew no... wonderful. Then know, he who knew no... He keep, Bob keeps saying that, well, if you do the mitzvahs, you get yeah. the kingdom. And I don't know what he means by that uh, phrase. Well, it sounds to me like he's saying that if you obey the laws, you it does kind of earn like your it. way That's to heaven. I'm trying to get this clear up. You keep saying it correct. You're saying what I'm saying because my microphone's not working. You're doing fine, though. But what I don't understand is, because Bob keeps saying that, and I'm trying to figure out, is that what Bob is? I can't believe that time has gone by. Next week, Jacob, I'm gonna, we're going to return to the Hebrew Scriptures in our readings next week. And I want you to talk a little bit more about this. And I'm not, I'm not talking about in the concept of arguing with you. But I do want, I have a theory about this. I have a thought about how we all get to glory on the same basis in reality. Uh, but I'd kind of like to hear your thought. I think we'll find some agreement. Join us next week, folks. We'll see you then. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525.